Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinker, and I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As a reminder to our listeners, we're on Anchor, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, and if you're looking for us in the video format, you can find us at the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. Lots to get into. Drink, what's going on with you? Hey, man, you know you know what it is, man. Another another fruitful Friday, you know. We back up in this thing, but um, you know what I got to do, you know, first and foremost, how everything with you and yours over there? Oh, it's good, man. Yourself? Yo, can't complain. You know, we, we, we about to give them what they need. Another day, another dollar. <laughs> the street's waiting on us. Um, we, gonna, we see what they don't. Say what they want. Set your plates because it's time to eat. It might literally be time to eat, too. And last but not least, <laughs> let's talk some sports, baby. <laughs> let's roll, Jay. All right. This is episode six of season three, and the NBA cracks down on drawing fouls. The Bucks take on the Rams, and we look ahead to the Saturday slate in college football. We begin with Thursday night football from last night with the Carolina Panthers moving to 3-0, and and the Houston Texans falling to 1-2. and Carolina wins this one 24-9 on the strength of not only Sam Donald's arm, but his legs as well. He threw for over, just over 300 yards and ran for two touchdowns. Uh, the Carolina defense off to a blistering start. They only give up 193 yards to the Texans offense, which was led by the rookie quarterback Davis Mills playing for the injured Tyrod Taylor. Mills throws for 168, a touchdown. Didn't throw a pick, but he was sacked four times. Got no help from the ground game at all. Meanwhile, one more note for the Panthers. They did have some big injury news last night. Christian McCaffrey with a hamstring injury. He's going to miss at least a couple weeks. And they could have lost their – they may they may well have lost their uh, first-round cornerback from South Carolina, J.C. Horn, but we'll keep keep a watch on that one. Drink, let's uh, let's start here. At 3-0, and how about the Panthers? Uh, how big a threat are they, or how how seriously should we take them as a contender thus far? Well, hey, listen, I, I, one thing I would say this. I think we took them um, a lot more of a contender when they had a healthy Christian McCaffrey than they do now. Um so we're going to spend these next two games looking to see when you, you bring in the, the, the backups. And, and listen, I know these guys, uh, Chubba Herbert, he was the man at Oklahoma State. He, you know, one of them dudes came in breaking all types of records. So we're going to see, can he pick up that slack that Christian McCaffrey left behind? Um, that's To me, that's going to be to make a break. I mean, hey, defense is, listen, <laughs> this young defense is, is the – Seem to be the real deal, folks. I got it. If you want to say week one, they played the Jets. I mean, it was Zach Wilson and whoever he threw the ball to. So we're going to throw that one out the window. Okay, fine. But you got to show some respect for what they did to the Saints. Like, let's keep it real. They they, they, they balled the Saints up. The same Saints that balled up the the Packers in week one. So you got to show some respect for that. And if you, if you want to tell me, hey, Last night they played a rookie and, and possibly one of the most horrible teams in the whole NFL last night. Um, they should have done that last night. And I would, to that, I would say I agree. They should have done that last night. But what would, what would we have been saying this morning if they didn't do that last night? Uh, you know, hey, they came out here. Well, I don't know. They ain't no contenders, man. Hey, they couldn't – if you couldn't ball up a, a rookie – and a makeshift offensive line and this running back core that was just so outstanding last night. Um, and, and Brandon Cooks. The, j yes. Just Brandon Cooks. Like, 
Don't I mean I know Miller kind of touched on, but let's keep it real. Look at them stats. Look at Aiken's stats. Like they won the world beaters. So all you had to really compete against was Brandon Cooks and and, and the quarterback making a few plays. That was it. Because you didn't have to worry about the run game. I can't even tell you who the other receivers are, et cetera, et cetera. So they should have done that last night. Even with that said, I do think this team, I think this team really got a good chance of being a contender. Now, like I said, I do caveat that with Christian McCaffrey. I think Christian McCaffrey, we, we didn't talk about this. He's definitely a top, you know, top three back. A lot of people got him top one, you know. Whatever your, your, your opinion is as far as the running backs go in the NFL. But he is definitely one of the best dual threat running backs when it comes to running the ball and catching the ball. And I do think he was a big part of their offense. Why do I think that? Because... The short time he was in the game, he had already carried the ball seven times. And he had already got the ball through to him. You know, um, I want to say it was like four targets, I, I thought. Um, okay, so no, it was two targets. All right, so two times. It If you watch the game, you can see how involved they wanted McCaffrey in, in the game. He was very involved. Sam Donald got to pick and choose when he threw the ball. And, and you know, I'm going to get to his number one target as far as that goes. But Christian McCaffrey is the guy that keep them on track, right? Now you don't have him to keep you on track. It's going to be very interesting. I know they got Dallas. And then they got, um, I want to say the next game is like a divisional game after that. It'd be very interesting to see what they do from from here on without Christian McCaffrey. Um, now, the Texans, and I just gotta say something about the Texans. Uh, I mean, they twenty four points. I mean, you, you gotta you gotta kind of look at that defense and say it could be worse. Their defense could definitely be worse, especially for a team that has no aspirations to do anything. And did you hear what they said about the the head coach last night on the broadcast? Do you do you do you know the first time that, that what is his name David David Cutley? David Cully, yeah. Cully, the first time he ever interviewed for a any kind of coaching job was when he interviewed for the head coaching job of the Texans, and he got the job. Imagine he never, that. He never interviewed for any other position like. Even as no defense, oh, no no that. coordinator. Yeah, they was like no coordinator positions. No, he he interviewed for this head coaching job and he got it. Unless I heard them wrong, that's that's what I thought I heard them say. Assume, assuming you heard that correctly, that's kind of impressive, don't you think? That, right. I was like, what? <laughs> so I thought that was quite interesting. But you know, for the sake of not wasting everybody's time, here's the deal. The Panthers' defense did what they were supposed to do. Now, I did hear that the, the first-round pick, um, J.C. Horn, he hurt his foot, and he's possibly out for the rest of the season. Um, and that's going to be a blow to the defense. But the way Matt Rule – and that this was pure magic. Um, and, I, and I don't want to take too much thunder on this because I know you had said something about this in the past. The way they scrapped that whole old defense, got rid of the old guys, got rid of everybody – and went and spent the whole draft on defense, Matt Rule might have just started a trend, man. He might have just started something here. I'm just telling you. He might have started something here. Because you can't tell me the rest. You, we know what the NFL is. It's a copycat league. So I guarantee you next season, 
we're going to get a team that did what Matt Rule did. Hey, our defense ain't good. Get rid of all these dudes. We just going draft. We're going to go draft for everybody. Brand new, fresh off the lot, new car smell. We want it all. And one year later, you got, what, a top five defense? Well, I think they're number one right now. But they are. Yeah. as the season go on, I would think that might fluctuate a little bit. But what? You, you went from zero to hero in one year? I mean, it's something to be said about that strategy. So you got to give, you know, Matt Rule his flowers for that, the GM his flowers, um, and then you you know everything else that go along. But, yeah, man, I, I think, truth be told, it could have been a lot worse for the Texans. I mean, when you look at that final score, it's not pretty, but I thought it was going to be worse. I told you before we started recording, I thought this young man, David Mills, wasn't even going to be able to throw for 100 yards. I thought he was going to be like – 89, 89 yards passing and, you know, but he, he he put up 168. I mean, for a guy that got through in the fire like he did, I think he did about as best as he could. I ain't mad at that. But I think the, the, the Panthers was a far superior team in this game. They showed that. And, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, long story short, man, listen, the Panthers seem they have the makings to be a contender. Now I just want to see how they bounce back from the kid. Because I know Christian McCaffrey, they said he might be out, what, about three to four weeks. So I would like to see how they, they hold the fort down until he gets back. And, and I am concerned about the J.C. Horn injury. But the way that Matt Rule and, and you know, the GM that put this team together, they might be okay. They might be able to weather that storm on the defense side of the ball because they're so good at all three levels. But – yeah, man, I, I I gotta say they are contender at this point. Yeah, I think I think we should take them seriously up to a point. Um, I think it's way too early at this point to you know put them alongside Tampa in that division. I think Tampa is clearly, you know, they they got to be looked at as the favorite until um, a team you know shows shows otherwise that they can beat them. You know, but, um, my hold on, but my bad, Jay. Before you get into the meat and potatoes, um. I just wanted to say, like, because, like you just said, it is different levels of contenders. So, like, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but I think they could be a player within the NFC. You know what I'm saying? Make, you know what I'm saying? Ruffle up some feathers. But like you said, they're not the Bucks. I don't even think they're the Rams. But, uh, you know, uh, let me clarify that a little bit. Yeah, and, and to that point, just to uh, bounce back off that, I, I think they're a wild card team. I think that's about where they are. Um, could they could they maybe win a playoff game? Uh, maybe they could with the with the right matchup. You do have to consider this is um, I think the Saints win last week was pretty eye opening. Um, but do keep in mind your, your three quarterbacks you played so far: are Zach Wilson, uh, Jameis Winston, and now David Davis Davis Mills. So um, not not a not an overly impressive group. Um, but uh, but you do have to. I mean, you got you can't control who you play. So they they've taken care of business. Um, this defense is flying around, playing lights out. Uh, they're giving up about uh, less than 200 yards a game so far. Only 10 points a game. Both of those uh, both of those are first in the league. And uh, when you look at this schedule, you mentioned it. Uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. They they're gonna go to Dallas. Then they're gonna come home and play Philly and Minnesota. And then they go back on the road to the Giants and the Falcons. There's a lot of winnable games there. I mean, there, there isn't one team on that in the next five weeks that you say, oh, they might be in trouble. Now, I'm not saying they win all those games, but I think at minimum, I mean, 
that looked like that looked. I mean, at at worst, I feel like they you know went three out of five. So at worst, they're going to be six out of two, six and two, um, in the you know in the first eight games. It, it's going to get a little bit tougher down the road. The 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 last three games are going to be difficult. You're going to get uh, you're going to get the but oh, last four. Excuse me. You're going to go to Buffalo. Then you're going to come back home for Tampa Bay, and then you finish up on the road against the Saints and Bucks. So that's going to be tough. But you know, with a team like this, with a new quarterback, relatively young team, that's probably almost how you prefer it. You know, get these. You know, get some of these. Some of these are some tune-up games. You know, particularly like if you see the Falcons in a couple of weeks, like, oh yeah, I like that. Let's get them. So, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, get Sam Darnold in there more comfortable in this Joe Brady offense. Um, by that time, you know, surely Christian McCaffrey will see him back. Hopefully, at most, he's only out a month and he comes back strong. But you got to like what they're doing. Uh, to, the te- to the Texan side, you know, I got to say, like, if you, t- if you said Houston would be one and two right now, you'd probably feel okay. You know, they, I think their season has gone maybe about as well as it could. You come out week one and you surprise, I think you surprise a lot of people just taking it to Jacksonville, who I'm not saying we thought Jacksonville was going to be great this year. I certainly did not, but I thought, I thought they, I thought it was going to be better than Houston though. I, yeah, I did. I did as well. And they, they got, I mean, they got beat up pretty good. 37, 21. Then you play Cleveland. Cleveland's one of the, they, they're a top contender in the AFC. And you only lose by 10. And then, you know, it wasn't great last night, but I mean, this is a rookie quarterback. First start, you know, pressed into duty with Tyrod Taylor being injured. And um, I got to say, I thought I thought Davis Webb, you know, handled himself pretty well. I mean, he didn't come out and embarrass himself. We're not doing the Nathan Peterman routine. Who? Davis Mills. Did I say Webb? Yeah, you, you said Webb. Who is that? I keep thinking Davis. No, no, Webb. no. That's that, No, yeah, that was a real quarterback. Was real, okay, yeah, okay. That was a quarterback, yeah. Okay. I think he did play for the Texans, matter of fact. Now that I think about it. But Just yes, so it is. It, Davis yeah. Mills was a dude from last night, right? Right, 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 looking, right. Okay, I'm looking at the producer. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Davis Mills. Yeah, he. I thought he played about as well as he could. He took care of the football. They were in the game. You know, it, it's seven, six at halftime. He does a little two minute drill thing. Him and Brandon Cooks, they had some nice things working. Um, he didn't get no help from this running game, though. Let me tell you, and I want, you know what? I'm going to add this up again just to make sure I'm right. Between Mark Ingram, David Johnson, and Philip Lindsay, you got 15 carries for 37 yards. Now, I get it. Now, this offensive line probably isn't very good, and I get it. You're playing the Carolina Panthers. But, guys, could we help the quarterback any at all? These guys didn't. I mean, these are all three. Now, I know David Johnson. We know he about as washed up as, you know, anything. Cardinals, they still down there laughing about that trade. Mark Ingram, he might, you know, he might, you know, be – he might need an oil change or something. We don't know. He's probably, he's past his prime maybe. I don't know. He looks smaller to me. I don't know what it is last night. Phil Lindsay, though, this guy who, like, what, in his third or fourth year maybe, there should still be some good, good tread on those tires. And he out here averaging less than one yard per carry, getting tackled in the open field by rookie cornerbacks. I just – I mean, I just don't understand it. That's just – that's not good enough, and it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to win another game. I mean, you will see Jacksonville a little bit later, but I, w- I will say like I thought da- you know I thought Davis Mills. I'm not saying this is a guy who oh yeah give him the keys. They already trying to give Heineke up in Washington the keys after like two weeks. Like that's the dude, man. Like, let's let's calm down. 
But I am saying you have a dude who, if nothing else, like he can play in this league. You know, you have a competent guy who, you know, Tyrod Taylor comes back, you know, and maybe you maybe Tyrod's your guy for the season. If he goes down again, I think Davis Mills showed you last night. He's a guy that can compete in this league and, uh, you know, not embarrass you. Obviously, you got to give the kids some more help. You know, this Russian attack was just, you know, anemic last night. And you you got to be have to be better if you're going to help out a rookie quarterback. The one more note for the Panthers. I think the probably the biggest thing I'd be concerned of with outside the injuries, they got to get Robbie Anderson going. It's a guy who, you know, with Sam Darnold in New York, like that was probably like maybe the best thing Sam Darnold had going was his chemistry with Robbie Anderson. They ain't, they haven't done anything so far. And I know Yo. I know you have DJ Moore and he's excellent. I like what I'm seeing from Terrace Marshall, the rookie from LSU. You know, him and Joe Brady know each other, I, I imagine. But I think what you're missing out on, you know, at, at minimum, a wide receiver number two that has proven in the past, him and, Son, him and Sam Donald can get some things done. So I think that's got to be a point of emphasis moving forward, especially with McCaffrey being down for a few weeks. There's going to be some extra targets to go around because uh, I don't think you're going to. Now, I do think for the running back position, I think Chuba, uh, Chuba Hubbard and Royce Freeman can hold it down for you in the ground game. I think where you're going to miss McCaffrey, uh, you're going to miss him the most in the receiving game. So I think there, Sam Darnold, he's not he's going to have, you know, to throw the ball more uh, outside of numbers, get his wide outs involved. But I also say Sam Darnold, the numbers, the numbers really don't blow you away. Like, I think he's only thrown for three touchdowns so far, but he's only made, he's only thrown one pick through three games. And we know in New York, turnovers were a problem. You out there seeing ghosts or whatever it is. So <laughs> I, I, I like what he's doing so far. Joe Brady seems to have, uh, you know, got him calmed down. He's getting settled in there. And I think, I, you know, I think Sam Darnold and these guys, I think better days are ahead. And once again, that schedule, they should be able to string quite a few wins together early. Now, turning over to the NBA, we want to talk about some of this, shall we say, tomfoolery that some of the most offensive players been pulling in the NBA, the likes of James Harden, the likes of Trey Young. And what, I, what I'm talking about is, you know what I'm talking about, the swing through, the I'm going to dive into the defensive player, I'm going to do all this stuff, and defense player just going to stand there and receive a foul. But with that said, Jay, the defensive player finally gets a break in the NBA, right? That's true. And I'm, I got to tell you, I'm here for this, you know, watch games all the time in the past several years and just, you know, whether whether it's the swing through and the guy's just got his, you know, arm right there and it's like, oh, oh, you got me. And then, you, you know, some of the ones, uh, the really, the big ones that I think they're, they're looking at is, you know, you pump fake and a guy like, you know, is about to, you know, you got him off his feet and he's in the air. And if you like just shot the ball normal or just waited for him to go by, he's not going to hit you. And then yet you've seen it like a doodle jump sideways, sideways and backwards and just throw the ball and throw the ball up like that's a real shot. I think those are the type of things they're getting rid of. And I think I think based on what I'm reading, I think Monty McCutcheon did a pretty good job of like explaining what they're trying to get rid of without taking away the pump fake. They still want like, and I think the biggest thing, the most traditional sense of the pump fake and you get fouled, a guy is straight in front of you, you pump fake him. He jumps and he's coming straight at you. 
and then you go up to shoot and he just lands on you because that's how gravity works. That's right. a completely valid use of the pump fake and to get a foul. But when you talk about when you start getting to the point of like, like you got players jumping sideways and just that that's probably the most egregious one. The other thing is, I don't know if they're going to get it this one, but I'm going to run this by you and see what you think about this. When you have a guy and this normally happens in the backcourt when a player is like bringing it up, you got a player dribbling the ball and there's like normally there's a bigger player like trying to run back down the court, and get back on defense. And he just happens to be right behind the offensive player. Like Chris Paul does this from time to time, and he'll just like stop and get ran over, right, and that's a foul. Right, that right. Sh- they should get rid of that too, because that's just that's not basketball. So, so I think, and that's that's primarily how McCutcheon like framed this, like, and what he said was like, we want basketball to be played, not manipulated. Uh, that's probably a shot at you know specific players. I think James Harden's obviously obviously at the, the forefront of um, some of these things that they're referring to. Uh, with the manipulation of the rules and like, you know, you drive the lane and you got the whiplash with the, you know, the cocking the head back and all these other things. I, I think the, I like where they're going with this. I, I wonder how some of the players are going to react because, and I, and I think no fault of their own. Like, I'm not going to say these guys are out here exploiting the rules. They're just, you know, playing the game and, um, you know, the officials calling the game a certain type of way and they're just using it to their advantage. I don't know how, right. you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't love it. I don't love the way James Harden plays the game and how his game seems to be a, a great part of his game is predicated on his ability to get to the free throw line. Um, but I, I do think this is, this is a, a great time to start like, you know, getting at this a little bit. And this is something we've been, I know me, you and our, our Jacksonville correspondent, we've been talking about mm-hmm. this for a couple of years now. And I, I'm, it's good to see the NBA, like, recognizing, look, it's hard enough to play defense. We got to help these guys out a little bit, make the game more competitive. But you know something else? This is going to make the game, you know, I think, and I think players, hopefully offensive players, they buy in and they cut some of this crap out. This is going to make the game, like, be a little bit smoother. I think you see less fouls because of this. Hopefully players, like, they, they, they eliminate some of this nonsense. Um, and if they do, I think you'll see a cleaner game. Uh, where there's where there are less fouls and less stoppages, so you should have more up and down action, um, and just you know with cutting out some of this nonsense that really isn't basketball. Yeah, man, I, I agree. I I think like you said, um, it just like any sport, right? If you if you go across all four of the major sports that we we follow here, um, it's it's you have the rules, you have the loopholes to those rules, and then you have like the minute modification. Listen, James Harden, for anybody that listened to this and get offended that we calling James Harden name, James Harden was legitimately making up a move where like you it looked like he was taking like four steps behind the three-point line, and it was like supposed to be the next unstoppable move, but he kind of put it on ice until he he mastered it. This is to your point, you can't be mad at James Harden for, like, using the rules against them. But now, I would say, James Harden, you can't be mad that they's going to start figuring it out. Because I know it's going to be players that's like, oh, this is bad for the game. Now the referees in here trying to change the game. No, 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 no. Changing the game is getting rid of the three-point shot. No, they trying to change the extra, extracurricular that's going on. Which, just like my, my esteemed colleague just, you know, represented, 
some of this stuff out here kicking the legs out. Like, that ain't basketball. Like, what we doing? You can't just kick your leg out because you know you're going to get a foul. And then the other dude get tripped up and roll on down the court and he get the foul on top of it. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? You know, um, I just, I, listen, I'm happy that the defensive players are getting a win. And I hope one day the NFL find out some way to help the defensive players in their sport as well. Right. Because right. it's it, it, it's so, I, I got it, offense drives revenue. Revenue is what pay the bills, et cetera, et cetera. We ain't come to no game to watch no 60 to 75 game. I got that. Cool. I got that. But I also, when the money is on the line, we in the playoffs, and I got Anthony Davis out here flailing around doing the five-point shuffle because he know how the rules work, and he know if he just goes up in the air and just make this little move right here, he going to get a, a freebie. Come on, man. Like, we, we got to knock that off, man. You got to make these players earn, earn their keep. And now this will incentivize players to play defense again. Because think about this. One of the things we, we complain about in the NBA is, like, who really plays defense? Like, honestly, the teams that they say are the best defending teams, all right, yeah, they're better than the other teams in the NBA. But when you actually look at that team that's number one in the stats at the time, you're like, are they really playing, like, tremendous defense? Can you really stop a team from scoring? Well, no. Not under these rules. It's – it's 85 ways to score, but it's only two ways to stop them from scoring. Look at those odds. You know what I mean? Like, look at the odds. Yeah, the, the ball should go in the basket more. So, um, I think this was not. This would now incentivize players that 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 you know they're primarily defenders. Um, you know the Andre Robertson of the world, Frank Nikola. Um, these guys that you know you don't really look at them. Hey, shout I say Ben Simmons. Um, like. You know, guys that you don't really, you know, get happy about their offensive prowess. They're more, you know, they start because of their defensive prowess. Now those guys get a, t a chance to come back up to the forefront if they, you know, do away with the tomfoolery. So I like it. I'm glad the defensive players are getting the win. And I hope this would make for more competitiveness as far as, you know, one-on-one -on -one basketball. Hey, clear it out. Because all I got to do is just go to the free throw line, hit a dipsy dude, dungaroo, and I'm going to follow this dude out of the game. Mm -hmm. Now I'm glad the referees are starting to pay that some attention. So I'm, I'm here for it. All right. So now we're moving back to the NFL because you know NFL. You know we love it. National Football League. Holla at your boy. And we're going to talk about, you know, the week three action coming down. We, we, gotta, we, we got some barn burners on here. We got Colts and titans we got chargers and chiefs and we got the bucks and rams sunday night we got packers and 49ers i'm not even gonna mention monday night because you know how we feel about the nfc lease but with that yeah. said jay what's the other action you see on the horizon this weekend i think the big headliner is uh the bucks and rams in the 425 window pretty sure that game will be on fox um that i mean looking ahead that's a game that i think we i think we both might have both of those teams in a nfc championship game so maybe an early season preview uh tampa bay on the road you know they're the defending champs we get all that but the rams rams would look pretty impressive uh thus far matthew stafford looking quite comfortable um in that sean mcveigh offense you know you got daryl henderson out there he's doing a fairly good job for them running the football 
Cooper Cup's putting up great numbers. You got uh, you, you still got Robert Woods. You got Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson. He he might be in there. I don't know. He might already tweak something. But we and then you know defensively we know what they do with Aaron Donald and company. You know they're they're a force to be reckoned with. I think uh, I think the big thing I'll be looking out for is like Tampa Bay got you know so many weapons that they can throw out on the field. And I know the 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 Rams got Jalen Ramsey. We get that. He can't cover everybody though. So it's going to be up to, you know, some of these other guys, you know, out there in that secondary and in the linebacking core, you know, to be able to handle, you know, depending on how the Rams uh, set it up on defense, you know, whoever Jalen Ramsey isn't covering, whether it's Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and then don't forget Gronk, it's going to be hard to, he's, he's had a very nice start to the season as well. So that's what I'm looking at in that game. Do the Rams got enough? pieces on the back end to you know deal with the bucks in the uh in the past game and also to, conversely can the rams get some heat you know on tom brady the bucks offensive line they they've been pretty good they was very good last year i thought uh you know tristan works came in had immediate impact donovan smith wasn't embarrassing himself and they pretty stout in the middle with uh was it kappa jensen and marpet i believe they pretty solid uh, so I think that's the headlining game. That's what I'm looking for. I think the other 425 game on Fox is going to be somewhat interesting. You got Seattle and Minnesota. Um, Seattle, a pretty disappointing loss last week. I mean, they had a they had a nice lead at home against Tennessee, and then next thing you know, Derrick Henry puts on the crown, and here he comes. He's just running through everybody all the way to overtime. And, you know, the reason why I'm looking at this game for Seattle is you know, it ain't going to get no easier for the run defense because you're going to have to deal with the, you're going to have to deal with Dalvin Cook. And we know how much, uh, we know how big time he can be. So, mm-hmm. you know, these are two teams that, you know, I know it's early and I know Seattle, you know, it's not desperate. It's not time to get desperate for them at one and one. But Minnesota, you got to think they're going to play with some type of intensity. They let one get away last week. They had a field goal opportunity that they missed. They could have beat Arizona. Um, instead, they're owing to, that, you know, you can't, you know, I know Green Bay hasn't looked, you know, lights out so far, but you don't want to get too too far behind those guys. So I think that's a compelling game because of how, you know, desperate Minnesota should be and the trouble Seattle had last week stopping Derrick Henry. I think they're going to have some trouble with Dalvin Cook. Elsewhere, I think, I think New Orleans and New England is going to be real interesting. Um, I think the Saints probably the better team. But in a matchup like this, you know, I'm looking at Jameis Winston going up against Bill Belichick. I think that spells trouble. The the, the Patriots are, you know, really talented on the back end. Um, they can confuse they can confuse a lot of guys. Zach Wilson had a a horrible time with that defense last week, and you know, as good as Jameis Winston was in Week One, he took a step back in Week Two against Carolina. So we'll have to see how that goes i'm probably leaning new england in that game just because you know bill belichick and foxborough i think they're going to throw some things that he's not ready for um but outside of that you know i think it's a pretty it's a pretty solid week there ain't too many duds out there so uh, i think we in for week three is going to be a good one yeah man i'm with you week three seems like it's going to be what we like to call a, a born burner um and and it for all my WWE fans that know who Jim Ross is, it looks like we're going to have a slobber knocker in here. Um, 
But the first game I'm talking about, hey, the, the Colts going down to visit Tennessee Titans. You just brought up the Titans. Uh, wonderful uh, come behind win against Seattle last week. Um, now we want to see if they can do that within the division. And then we, you know what we got going on with the Colts. Um, we want to know if Carson Wentz, body ever going to allow him to do what he need to do as far as, you know, coming and, and being a – listen, Carson Wentz, man, listen. I feel bad because you left Philly on a sour note because you couldn't stay healthy. Then you show up to the Colts with a second chance and you can't stay healthy. Listen, I don't know, man. This keeps me in the trend. I don't know how long we see Carson Wentz. He needs to get it together, uh, wrap up them, them sore ankles. He needs to come out here and show the Colts fans what why in the hell um, Frank Wright decided to trade for him. Because... Right now, this look like a failed investment. Yeah, I'm tell you right now, this look like the Colts invested in the cryptocurrency that was made in somebody's backyard, and now they out of business. Like this is not it. <laughs> this is just not it. Um, so Carson Wentz, you you need to um, you know, say help the Colts out here. Um, and then the next game I want to jump into the Chargers and Chiefs. Um, because listen, we, we we talked about it earlier in the NBA segment. You know, this is an offensive league. I got it. And you got two guys that seem to be – well, we know what Patrick Mahomes – let me not put him in – him and um, the, the the young kid um, for the Chargers and Justin Herbert in the same situation. However, Justin Herbert seemed to be the goods. Last year he was the rookie of the year. This year he seemed to be picking up where he left off. Probably not as crisp as he was last year, but he do got a new head coach which I said they should have might have left the old head coach there for this reason. But the Chargers still going. They, they still starting off. They still looking good. We seen what the Chiefs defense did, um, you know, in their previous game, which this is a more complete team. He's a better passer. I, I would like to see how they go. Um, Patrick Mahomes coming back, you know, they just, you know, lost that game. The wonderful game to Baltimore, I should add. They're going to come out here and try to prove a point. We know what that Chargers defense is about, so I think this is going to be a fantastic game. And then the next game, um, we got the Bengals and the Steelers. Here's the deal. The reason I'm so intrigued into this Steelers game is I want to know who's going to be the quarterback since Big Ben hurt his pec muscle because Big Ben been flopping around here for the last five years, and Mike Tomlin and, and, and the GM never thought, hey, let's go draft his heir apparent because this dude don't want to work out on the, in the offseason. He don't want to make himself any better. He just want to rely on the fact that he's Big Ben. So let's go draft another quarterback. And they did, They have not done that. The Josh Dobbs of the worlds that was there, that ain't going to cut it. Mason Rudolph, we only know him because he got slapped with a helmet. That ain't going to cut it. Um, uh, Dwayne Haskins, yo, you got cut from a team that can't even come up with a proper logo. That ain't going to cut it. So... <laughs> With those, if that's your options, I'm, I, I would like to know what the Steelers going to do about quarterback. And if they go out here and lose to the Bengals, they throw up the smoke signals because it's, it's about to be something. It is about to be some, some, some drama down there in Pittsburgh. Let me just tell you, in the Steel City. And then um, I think you covered the 4 o'clock window pretty good, so I'm going to skip on down and, um, to Sunday night football. Green Bay Packers and the um, San Francisco 49ers. You know, this is always a classic. Can can the Packers finally show that they got some backbone against the 49ers? That is why I'm watching this game. 
Because the, the last about four times I done watched them play, the 49ers have just ran all types of rough shot over the Packers on both lines of scrimmage. Yeah. Now, the Packers seem to be the better team of the two this season. Let's see. Let's see. I just want to see if the Packers are going to come in here with that Charmin tissue that they showed us in week one, or they're going to come in here with that two-ply special that we seen last Monday night. So, um, outside of that, man, th those are the games that got me excited for Sunday. All right, we move on to our college football preview for this weekend. We got a couple, uh, couple headlining games. Big Noon on Fox says number 12, Notre Dame. And number 18, Wisconsin. They're giving Wisconsin six and a half in that one. And then at 3.30, big one in the SEC. It's number seven, Texas A&M. And number 16, Arkansas. Both teams at 3-0. and A&M gets five and a half on the road in the da 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 game. Drink, outside of that, um, I've been looking at this slate. You know, there's some, there's some things going on. But uh, I'm interested to know what you're looking for this weekend outside of those two games I brought up because I'm uh, looking a little sparse over here to me. First of all, could you could you hit the CBS music for us? You just love the crispiness. Yeah, you know, I just love the crispiness. It just throws the fall enthusiasm in the air. But um, to the question at hand, um, number twelve Notre Dame going down. Uh, number eighteen Wisconsin. Listen, we already had a game in Madison. I I, I know Joel Clapp and the Fox. Big noon crew over here. Oh, Madison. Oh, man, it's going to be beautiful. Listen, when the first game was supposed to be beautiful against Penn State, and and it wasn't all that beautiful. I mean, I know Notre Dame coming into town, and when they come into town, they bring, bring the you know, the city out with them. I got that. But I want to know what's going to be so beautiful about this game. This game got low scoring affair all over. Matter of fact, Jay, what would you say the over and under was for this game? It's 45. Listen, they might not even make it to 35. I don't I just I'm looking at both of these teams. You give me the game where either one of these teams looked like they was just like they was moving the ball up and down the field. I mean, hell, Notre Dame couldn't even move the ball against Florida State. <laughs> Wisconsin, Wisconsin ain't had a game yet that impressed me. I'm just saying. I'm just keeping it real. No. I, I, big noon. I got it. The, the, the scenery from Mallory is supposed to be good. Madison's supposed to be good. I got it, but uh, I don't know about that one. All right. Then we got number seven, Texas A&M, um, going, you know, traveling on the road to Fayetteville, Arkansas, to play number 16, the Razorbacks, CBS. You heard the music, 3.30. You know what time it is. Um, this, this game is intriguing, but I, I'm going to tell you like this, man, for the for the casual fan that, that knows that Arkansas beat Texas and thinking – well, Arkansas, they seem to be the team this year. Yeah, that's cute. Um, give you a little lesson on recruiting here. For those of you that don't know how that works. So recruiting, right, you get your guys, and it might take you two, three years to get really get a rhythm, and then don't, that, that recruiting class start paying you back from, you know, the heartaches that they was giving you seasons prior. That's what Texas A&M is right now. Um, listen, in the past, if Texas A&M had lost their starting quarterback, they lost a couple of games with it. But as you can see, they still managed to win. It might not be the prettiest. I know for the for the the pawn the pawn says, "Oh, did you see Texas A&M versus Colorado?" Yeah, I did. 
I also seen Georgia versus Clemson. And you finna tell me Georgia ain't that good? You gonna tell me they got the best defense in the nation? So I, I get what you're saying. With that same argument, those are the same people that will tell you Penn State should be top three. Yeah? They barely beat Bo Nix and the crew at home <laughs> in the whiteout game. One of the best environments in college football. So it, don't, that's not pick and choose what close games matter and what don't. It is what it is. So I, I do think Vegas got this right. Uh, I'm taking Texas a and because what I think is underrated for the Aggies is people focus on the starting quarterback being out. Okay, cool. You got the backup quarterback, not quite as good. But you know what else Texas A&M got? A complete roster around that quarterback. And you know what else is about to start? SEC play. It's a different level. I, I'm not saying Texas A&M didn't take Colorado serious, but I am saying Texas A&M taking Arkansas a hell of a more serious than they took Colorado. Here's the deal, baby. Now, we in the league that, that matters the most. I'm, I'm sorry if I don't get up and be extra motivated for the Pac-12, but now we playing in the, in the home league, and you know what time it is. And Arkansas, Sam Pittman didn't, didn't put Arkansas on the map. Now I understand why they reset his contract. Now I understand why it was this big hype about he could possibly go to the NFL if he wanted. Now I'm starting to understand. If a guy can come out of nowhere and transcend Arkansas into something to talk about, I, I got to give it to him. I got to give it to him. Because I can't tell you, the last time we talked about Arkansas, worth a darn, was um, during the, the Petrino days. Back when he had, um, God, that I forgot the running back name. He didn't really pan out in the NFL. But back, back during them times when, when, when they had some dudes you're not, there. Um, you're not talking about, uh, was it Felix Jones and Derrick, Derrick McFadden? Derrick McFadden. That's who I was talking about. Derrick McFadden. That was the last time we talked about Arkansas for real. That, that was it. Back when I think they got as high as like number three in the nation that year. And that after that season, I don't think Arkansas ever been the same. So I do think this is a barn burner. I think C, CBS to pick the right game for the, for the 330 game. I'm, I'm ready for it. This is probably my number one game of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. SEC home. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I'm with it. Then we go to Big 12, West Virginia, um, going down to number four, Oklahoma. Listen, before the season, I would have told you ABC out of their mind for having this on ABC. Now, I'm like, this might not be half bad because I wouldn't be surprised if West Virginia went in there and got the dub, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> Oklahoma is so inconsistent. And listen, Vegas ain't too um, <laughs> keen on it either. They only gave them 17 points. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like West Virginia some highly ranked team here. So, 17 points, it kind of opened my eyes up like Vegas saying, mm, this game could be closer. The only thing, the only difference is Oklahoma has more talent. So, Oklahoma talent should wear West Virginia down. Or should it? You just never know with the inconsistency. Um, and then the next game, uh, we got the Big Ten matchup, Rutgers versus number 19, Michigan. Um, dare I say that Jim Harbaugh got some cooking there in Michigan? Did I say that? They, you know, they are tw almost a 21-point favorite in this game. ABC got them on at 3.30. I mean, I mean I, I'm not impressed with Rutgers. I don't know when, when the hell Rutgers did anything of any note. But, <laughs> listen, 
Um, and if you finna give me some stat from 1908, then I guess that's when they was good. But either way, like, I, you know, hey, Michigan, almost 21 points. I expect they're going to go handle business, but we'll, we'll find that out. Um, and then, you know, standing in the Big 12, another matchup that intrigued me. We got number 25, Kansas State, going on the road to uh, Oklahoma State. Now, both of these teams are 3-0. and And it, it just, like, I brought this up to you, Jay. If I had asked you about this game before the season, and I said Kansas State versus Oklahoma State, which team is ranked? I'm fairly confident you would say Oklahoma State. Yeah, especially because Oklahoma State was ranked in the preseason rankings, and they've been right. so pedestrian in their three games. They won them all, <laughs> but they've been so pedestrian against, like, I don't think they haven't played a Power Five team yet, and yet, and the I guess the in the voter the AP voters are like taking notice, so unranked at this time. Right. So, hey, folks, if you didn't know, now you know. Scheduling matters. So. So, you know, Kansas State coming down there, um, you know, and, and they – this is how disrespectful this is. You can catch them at 7 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. <laughs> God, you got to be kidding me. That's right, after the, right after the Coastal Carolina game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, God, come on. We on the same playing field as Coastal Carolina. Ain't that a man? Then um, the, the last game, the one game I seen out of the Pac-12 that caught my attention, you got Arizona uh, going on number three, Oregon. And um, I'm going to be honest, the only reason this game caught my attention because Oregon has kind of put themselves as the upper echelon of college football right now. Um, but they're a 29-point favorite at 1030 at night. Um, I don't know many people outside of Arizona and Oregon fans are going to be watching this one. Um, but, you know, got you know, God bless everything that Arizona got going on over there because they ain't been hitting on nothing since nothing. You know what? I'm pretty sure the basketball program can come over there and get them some some tips on just how to be relevant at all. Like, a little bit. Somewhat. Do something. Arizona State came from behind you, leapfrogged you, lapped you, and still in front of you. It's, it's ridiculous. So, um, those those are the six games I've seen on the slate. What say you, Jay? It's, uh, it's, it's hard out here in these streets, man. This is uh, even the games that are good. Like they don't seem that good to me. I, I, I think I think the Arkansas A and M game is the best game, but I'm just wondering, like A uh, and M without the quarterback, and you know, I, I'm just I'm uncertain on how that's gonna go. That's why I think maybe I get I get your point on the recruiting edge that they have, but um, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, I guess. And I, I didn't know, did you see this game is gonna be in Arlington at the Cowboys Stadium? Yeah, yes, sir. Okay, yes, sir. I was yeah, I was thinking Arkansas was gonna be a true home team, but I guess not. So well, it's the I guess, um I think I think they call it the Southwest Classic. Oh, okay. All right. Well, never mind. On the home field, A and M might have an advantage in the crowd. Uh, you know that being, game being in Texas. Uh, but I do, I do think that will be the best game. I'm anxious to see Arkansas because, as you say, like it's been a long time since we've like, you know, been looking at Arkansas. Like, God, it may, it may, it may well, in fact, be like since Darren McFadden and Felix Jones and the Wildcat and you know the things that they used to do, because um, they've been a, they've been a doormat lately. Like, you know, you, oh, it's Arkansas. That's the game we can win, guys. We got at least we got Arkansas in there. But they playing now. And the other one, I'm, I'm not, I'm not loving this Notre Dame Wisconsin game, particularly because I'm just not loving Notre Dame. I think they is, 
I mean, they've had some really good seasons lately. I don't know they they just fall flat on their face come playoff time. They don't, they're not even getting to that point this year. Like they are, they are woefully unimpressive. For you, you beat Florida State by three points in the opener, and we have seen since then Florida State is just awful. They just awful. lost to Jacksonville State. <laughs> just lost yes. to Jacksonville oh. State. And then right. what? Notre Dame. Notre Dame, they beat Toledo by three. So, and then I know, yeah, okay, we beat Purdue by two touchdowns. Whoop de doo on that one. Um, and then Wisconsin, you know, they lost to Penn State. They beat Eastern Michigan. Uh, I don't know what to make of either of these teams, you know, right off the jump. I guess. I guess this might be the good old Jack Cone game. You know, used to play quarterback for Wisconsin. He's coming right. back um, out there. I'm, I'm sure he'll get a nice welcome uh, for all the things that he did for him. I don't know. I don't know if he did all that much. He did something, I guess. Um, but those are your two headliners, and you know, they just don't. They don't. They don't get the blood flowing. You know, not not like not like I'm used to. You know, and you got a lot of teams who are just. You know, like Alabama, for instance, they down there playing Southern Miss, so you know, not yeah. not too much to get into of that one. I do like the and Georgia's playing Vanderbilt. You know, you got to assume that's going to be a big blowout. Uh, Penn State's playing Villanova. No, no need to even tune in for that one. Uh, I do think um, the West Virginia, West Virginia, Oklahoma is intriguing, but I do want to just caution. Let's just, just lay a little caution to the wind before, like, we start saying, oh, here comes the Mountaineers from the mountains. They're going to come down there and take over. Uh, they lost to Maryland week one, and uh, I don't remember the last time Maryland's been all that great. And anytime you beat a team from the ACC that's supposed to be good for this year, I don't know. I'm not – I don't want to get too carried away in that because we've seen we've seen some pretty, uh, pretty putrid football from the ACC thus far. The ACC looking like – they back it. The ACC is in reverse right now. And, you know, the Pac-12 is just standing still and the ACC is like going past them in the wrong direction. That's what I'm so, looking at. So let me ask you this, Jay. Why do you think Vegas got this a 17 point game? That still seems pretty. I don't know. I don't know what the spread was last year in this game. That, I mean, that seems like they think Oklahoma is going to win it pretty good. But. Well, you think you think it's closer than it should be? I, I really do like listen yeah. to what listen to how you just broke it down. It's West Virginia. They ain't done nothing spectacular. I got it. I'm assuming Vegas is saying, listen, Oklahoma plays to their competition. I guess and, yeah, I guess that's the other point of it. Maybe like I don't want to get caught up in West Virginia beating Virginia Tech last week. But we've also said like we talked about them playing Nebraska last week. That wasn't anything impressive. So I think both teams are like I'm not high on Oklahoma either. For the same reason that I just said, like, I'm Notre Dame, Wisconsin, I don't know. I, even if Notre Dame go in there and win it, like, they, they ain't won anything convincingly yet, you know? So I'm just, I'm not, I'm not loving it. I do think, I do think it is a compelling game. It should, it probably should be one of the more exciting ones. You should get a lot of points out of that game. That's a classic Big 12 game. But, you know, outside of that, I got to say, um, you know, you brought up Michigan. I don't really care what they do against Rutgers. It's going to come. It's next week. Next week, they go on the road to Wisconsin. And traditionally, under Jim Harbaugh, they just are a complete no-show against teams that matter. And as much as I just said that I'm not like, I'm not loving Wisconsin right now, but that's still a team that matters in the Big Ten. And like 
Jim Harbaugh is like, I don't know, he's like two and two and twenty in games that matter. He's probably, he's not that, but he's like he's bad in those games. Now, now, do we still feel the same way if Wisconsin loses this game tomorrow? Because that means at that point they have two losses to the two best opponents they played. Right. You know, so do we still feel that way about okay, Michigan? You know, because I think at that point, even if Michigan go in there and roll them. Then it's right. like well, yeah. Wisconsin, like they ain't guess, done nothing this year. Yeah, I guess the yeah, I guess the thing that would make you feel good about Michigan over the next two weeks, Michigan obviously win tomorrow. You want Wisconsin to beat Notre Dame, and then Michigan go into Wisconsin and beat them. I think right. that's the scenario where I'd start to you know look at Michigan and say, oh, Michigan's doing something, you know. But yeah, you're right. If if Mich- if uh, Wisconsin comes out and Notre Dame just rolls them. And then Michigan goes in there and beats them, and Wisconsin's one and three. Then we're just like, eh, I don't know. I don't know about Michigan. Like, but I will say, like, you know, from what I've I've seen a little bit of them, you know, they 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 took Washington to the woodshed. They beat a couple other no names. That their running attack is something that's it's something to see so far. I think that's one thing we can say. They seem they look like they got a real identity. Like the past couple of years, their offense is just kind of you don't even know what it is. You know, is this a Run first team. Is this a Shea Patterson pass first team? They just they look they look awful. At least this year, like from what I've seen, they appear to like know who they are and they just like they're just running over people. So I will I will say that on their behalf. All right, time to finish off the show with rapid reactions. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Take it away, drink. Let's roll, baby. Ohio State coach Ryan Day said quarterback C.J. Stroud will only be used in emergency capacity on Saturday against Akron due to his shoulder injury. Jay, what what do you think of this approach? Uh, I don't like it. Like, if the, if the dude can't play, just rule him out and just roll out the other four or five-star, you know, dudes that you got out there. Like, can you imagine how embarrassing it would be, like, if they out here flopping up and down the field against Akron? And you got to call in C.J. Stroud off the bench to, like, save the day against Akron? You know how embarrassing that's going to be? That's what I'm concerned about. I would just rule him out. Oregon star defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau launched his own cryptocurrency yesterday with a coin called J-Ream. Drink, you're into crypto. You going to invest in some of that? Probably not. Um, He's going to have to show me a little something. I mean, listen, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is the second best defensive player in college football. I think number one is Will Anderson from Alabama. Um, but with that said, I don't know how savvy he is in cryptocurrency, but I know he a hell of a football player. So I'm going to take, I'm going to leave that where it's at right now. The Chicago White Sox clinched their first American League Central Division title since 2008 yesterday. How big of a threat will they be in the playoffs? They're a, they're a legitimate team, and I think they'll be a threat. I think the problem is that they're going to play Houston in the first round, and I think Houston's really, really good. So... It's, I think it's going to come down to their pitching, like if they're pitching and hold down the Houston offense. But, um, I mean, that's definitely a real talented team, and they, they deserve to be in the field. And uh, congrats to Tony LaRusso getting them in the playoffs. His first year back managing after a decade off. Four-time NBA champion Mono Ginobili is returning to the San Antonio Spurs as a special advisor to basketball operations where he's going to work in a player-centric role, focusing on the on- and off-court development of the roster. You like that idea? 
I do. I'm going to tell you what this sounds like to me. They're grooming him to be a GM in the future. And if he does become to be a GM, I definitely like this idea. We just seen James Jones do good things for Phoenix. Elton Brand do good things for the 76ers and so on and so forth. So it seems like these players are learning once, you know, post-basketball, they go get them some knowledge, you know, figure out how, how that whole ordeal work. They come back. They make out to be pretty good GMs. Now, head coaches, I don't know. But GMs, they, they got some pretty good numbers going on, and they, they, they camp there. On Thursday, basketball, uh, on Thursday, Chicago's Bulls starting guard, Zach Levine, described his season as critical for the Bulls and for himself as they enter the final season of his contract. Do you agree with him? It is. Um, obviously, a big deal. You know, he's in a contract year, so he's looking to get paid. Probably was looking to get paid this offseason, get that big extension. But the Bulls, you know, we know what they did at the trading deadline last year with Vucevic and with uh, Daniel Tice. They got DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball. They got a lot of different parts they're trying to work in for Billy, Do Billy Donovan. So, yeah, I agree with them. And uh, I think I think that what this tells you, if it doesn't go well this season, he's going to get up out of here and he's going to sign a max with somebody else. Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin is already talking about Alabama, where he worked as the offensive coordinator from 2014 to 2016. On Wednesday, Kiffin described the Crimson Tide strategy of cherry-picking talented players in the transfer portal. Do you think that was a veiled shot at Nick Saban, or was he just telling the truth? No, he was absolutely telling the truth. Nick Saban said that. Nick Saban said, they asked him, hey, Nick, how do you feel about the transfer portal? And he said, well, we're not going to lose our best players. Our best players are going to be on the field. And if another team lose a player that's worth, you know, coming on our roster, yeah, we're going to take them. We Alabama. So, um, no, when the bell shot, it, it was just the stone cold truth, you know, and Nick agreed with him. Despite already eclipsing the 100 loss mark, the Arizona Diamondbacks have extended the contract of manager Tori Lavulo for one year and have a club option for the 2023 season. Was that a good idea? Uh, yeah, I think I think it's okay. You know, this is a guy who you know he's been a manager for I think since it's either twenty six or twenty seventeen. He's been manager of the year. He was manager of the year in the National League in twenty seventeen. They had winning records in eighteen and nineteen. It's been a little bit tough the last few years, but um, I do like the idea of like you know a guy has a a terrible year, but he's got a a good track record for you. I like the idea of not canning them right away. Give him a little more wiggle room. And I gotta say, like I don't know if there's a manager out there that could have got, you know, a decent season out of this this team. This is a pretty ragtag bunch. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> Browns wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. will make his season debut Sunday against the Bears. Is that a bigger deal than rookie Bears quarterback Justin Fields getting his first start? No, because Justin Fields is looking to be the, the, the future franchise quarterback of the Bears. Odell Beckham just debuting for another season where he probably get hurt. Odell Beckham is too much of a celebrity. I don't, I don't honestly think we ever gonna get the old Odell Beckham that was more focused on football than he was being a celebrity. Now he a celebrity. That's just point blank period. So it's cool to have him because you don't have Jarvis Landry. So you know, I'm pretty sure Baker may feel happy to have him. But no, Justin Fields starting his first game for the Bears is the biggest story in this game for me. The NFL had reinstated wide receiver Josh Gordon, and he could be eligible to play as soon as week four. Any thoughts on this, Jay? Well, Drinky's 30 now. So um, and he's only played in he's only played six or more games once since he led the uh, league in receiving yards, and that was like that might have been nine, eight or nine years ago at this point. So 
I gotta say, I don't have high hopes for this one. I really don't. Last one tomorrow night is UFC 266, Volkanovski versus Ortega on ESPN Plus. At the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, the main event is a featherweight title fight between the champion Alexander Volkanovski and the number two ranked contender Brian Ortega. Drink, who you got? Yeah, I'm gonna take the champion here. Um, listen, uh, Volkanovski, this dude is the truth. Um, I'd have seen him beat, which which is considered the greatest featherweight, you know, champion of all time, Max Holloway. He didn't beat him twice. Um, and on the other end of the spectrum, I seen Max Holloway destroy Brian Ortega. I mean, destroy him. So, also with the fact that Volkanovski has made it very clear that he don't think Brian Ortega deserves this title shot, I'm taking the champ by knockout. You know what it is. Come holler at your boy, baby. All right, that concludes tonight's Drink of Wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinking. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we going to do. We going to holler at you until next time, baby. And ladies and gentlemen, this is A Drink of Wisdom.